Howdy and welcome to the 10-Week Bible Study. This is week one, day one of our study of 2 Corinthians. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're introducing the book of 2 Corinthians. Welcome back to the 10-Week Bible Study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. And before we get started, I want to encourage you to check out all the resources we have over at 10weekbible.com. We need to know the Bible now more than ever. So it may be your time to start leading a Bible study group in your church or in a small group in your home. We really do need godly men and women who know God's word and who've hidden it, locked it away in their hearts. All right, with that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you. We want to know you more. We want to encounter you in your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, with that, we're not going to be jumping directly into God's word. We're going to start into the text of scripture tomorrow. What I wanted to do today is do a very brief introduction to the book of 2 Corinthians. <clears throat> It's my opinion, and I, I think this is a, a good opinion to have, I think this is the way God intended the Bible to be understood and read, is that the Bible itself, it's not difficult to know. It's not difficult to read. It's not difficult to understand, for the most part, in a proverbial sense. And I think that's true of Second Corinthians. First uh, and Second Corinthians, I think they're powerful, uh, important books for us to know. Now, with that said, understanding the backstory of what's going on in Corinth and 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 all of the stuff that Paul's writing about here, uh, that's complicated. And and I want to make this distinction very clear. For the most part, I think all of Scripture is relatively easy to understand if you read it. And the way that I encourage you to read it is once a week for the duration of the time that we do these studies. So I want to highly encourage you to read the book of 2 Corinthians once a week for the next 10 weeks. You really will be amazed at how things just come together and how much better you understand it. Reading it like that, it really does get it in you and it starts to, to formulate uh, an ability to, to see God's word in a way that I, I, I don't think you get any other way. What you won't get from doing that is what we're going to talk about today, because the complicated part, the easy part is just reading it and it's trying to uncover more and more of what God is, is saying to us through that scripture. The difficult part is the historical context and the background and things like that. And that's challenging for a lot of different books. I mean, if you're, we're studying the book of Acts, which we just got done with, you know, there's a whole lot of historical context for every single place that Paul was going and for what was going on with the apostles, there's a lot of historical context. And we didn't get into a lot of that because there just wasn't time. We're going to specifically get into a lot of the historical context throughout this study for the book of 2 Corinthians. And it's actually one of the places where Paul spent most of his time on his missionary journeys in the book of Acts. We know from Acts that he made three trips here. One of them was around two years long in, in the city of Corinth. Where things get challenging is the the history of Corinth and, and what exactly was going on and all of that kind of stuff, Because and, and, and the letters to the Corinthians, for that matter. Uh, a lot of scholars debate about exactly how many letters did Paul write, and there's actually more letters from church history than just from Paul. There was... Um, there's other letters. And so before we jump in though, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of talking around myself 
and talking about how complicated this is, let me get into this and start to show you a little bit of what I'm talking about. If you're watching this on YouTube, on the video, I've got some maps up. I will have links to these maps on 10weekbible.com if you're listening to this. So right now I'm looking at, uh, we're looking at a picture of the, the broader Mediterranean area, the broader Mediterranean region. And you can see Greece in the middle and I've got a map marker for the city of Corinth. When we zoom in a little bit, we can see Athens there in Greece. And then you've actually got the isthmus of um, where Corinth sits and you can see the map marker I've got there. When we zoom in a little bit further, you can see nowadays in modern times, there's actually a canal that goes from the Saronic Gulf to the Gulf of Corinth. The Saronic Gulf is on the southeast side. The Gulf of Corinth is on the northwest side. And so there's actually a, uh, a canal that goes across that, that divide there. And this was actually started by Caesar Nero. Uh, back in Paul's day is when they actually started to to build this. It was abandoned for a number of reasons. Uh, it was essentially abandoned when Nero himself died and no one else wanted to take on the project. But uh, that's where this is kind of the geography. And you can see on the map that I've got here, we've got the modern city of Corinth. But that's not where the ancient city of Corinth, the ancient city of Corinth is just a little bit to the southwest. And I've also marked, uh, marked on the map what's called the Acro Corinth. There's like a, almost a just shy of 2,000 foot tall mountain that's just uh, the, the Corinth sat at the base of. And this mountain actually had uh, several temples on it in Paul's day. Now, here's where some of the history of Corinth gets a little challenging. So that's kind of the geography of Corinth. Where it gets a little challenging is when you read some commentaries, they talk about Corinth as it was, as if it was this um, ancient Greek city. And when Paul was there, it wasn't really an ancient Greek city. It was actually a Roman new city. And that's because a couple hundred years-ish, 150 years before Paul shows up, actually somewhere right around 200 years, the ancient city of Corinth was destroyed by the Romans, completely uh, completely and utterly destroyed, razed to the ground. They, they destroyed the thing. They killed a lot of the people and everyone else they didn't kill. They, they carried them off as slaves. And so it actually sat dormant for a long period of time. And then the Romans rebuilt it. Apparently, Julius Caesar himself uh, started the rebuilding of the, the ancient city of Corinth somewhere around 44, 440 BC. So right around the time that Israel is actually coming under somewhere in that, that time frame where Israel comes under the jurisdiction of Rome itself, Rome decides to start rebuilding Corinth. Now, Corinth, under the Greek times, was one of the largest and most important cities in the ancient world. In Paul's time, it was on its way there, and I believe a lot of scholars think around 100 AD plus, give or take a little bit, it was one of the largest and most important cities in the ancient world. So when Paul's there, Obviously, there's going to be a lot of construction going on if it is on its way to becoming what a lot of people think of one of the, the biggest and most important cities in the ancient world. So there's a lot of stuff happening. It's it's a place where there's there's people moving and shaking. There's money to be made. You can We can see from its geography that it's on a, a, a very important trade route. In fact, um, 
I read that some, you know, people would actually, instead of sailing around Greece, they would unload their cargo if their ship was small enough and load a car, uh, load their ship actually onto a, a kind of a dolly and drag it across the isthmus there, take it out of the water, put it in the water on the other side because it could be difficult sailing around Greece and it was a lot shorter. And so they would go to the expense of doing this. And that's why they wanted to build a canal there. That's why they built a canal in the 1800s right here to make this passage much easier and quicker. <clears throat> but where we get into some more difficulties is where scholars disagree on the number of letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And then we have, again, subsequent letters that were written by like Clement. Um, he wrote letters, follow-up letters to the Corinthians, and he was someone who came along right after Paul did. And so this is all in kind of contemporary space here. <clears throat> some scholars, and so this will make sense as we talk about first and second Corinthians, some scholars believe that there are five letters that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Some believe that there are three. Uh, almost no scholar would agree that there's less than three because we certainly have first and second Corinthians. And in first Corinthians chapter one, Paul references a previous letter that he had written to the Corinthians. So there's at least three. And so scholars debate on whether or not there's uh, three, four or five letters. And here's where this breaks down. This is why it's important for our understanding of second Corinthians is some scholars, if there's three letters, then it's just the the first letter that we don't have anymore that was to the, the church of Corinth. There's 1 Corinthians, the letter that we have now, and there's 2 Corinthians, the other letter that we have. Uh, Clement, and again, Clement wrote another two epistles, two letters to the, the church in Corinth, but we're not worried about that. <clears throat> If you believe in four or five letters, if you're scholars that believe that Paul wrote four or five letters, this is where it gets important as far as how we're going to look at the actual letter of 2 Corinthians. Some people believe there was the first letter that Paul references in 1 Corinthians that we don't have access to anymore. Then this 1 Corinthians, some people believe that he wrote a, sec a third letter to the church in Corinth in between 1 and 2 Corinthians. And then 2 Corinthians is actually itself two separate letters squished together what we have access to now. And this, I know that this would bother a lot of people saying, well, you know, you know, God's word hasn't been changed or anything like that. And, and we have to understand the, the creation of the Bible, how these things were used in the early church. And it is, is very possible that two letters and, and the way that most scholars believe this break it down is that chapters one through nine are first Corinthians, uh, are, are one letter and then 10 through 13 are another letter that in, in usage, in, in passing around, they got squished together and we call them second Corinthians. And this is very likely that I don't know for a fact, that this is how it happened, but these are just some of the debates and just to dispel some ideas of, of scholars that would think, well, it's not really the Bible or they're messing with things. That's not what we're saying. And I, I make this distinction very often is, is that there are Bible believing scholars. There are God fearing scholars, scholars, biblical scholars who believe in God and they believe that the Bible is God's word. And then there are non-believing scholars, like scholars, academics that write about these things. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe it's God's, you know, holy inspired word. They write about it. That's their career. They're academics in that field. And to them, it's no different than studying Greek mythology. 
that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about Bible-believing scholars and some of the debates between them on the the formation and structure of 2 Corinthians. Some of them believe that 2 Corinthians, actually a good number of scholars believe that 2 Corinthians is two letters squished into one. And essentially the usage of this, you know, it would have been initially obviously to the Corinthians and who knows, maybe Paul had a shortened salutation at the beginning of the second letter that he normally did, or maybe they excluded the salutation from the second letter when they squished them together and you've just got the salutation and then, you know, the final goodbyes at the end of the book. And it's possible again, still that it is, that it was just one letter, that this is either a third or a fourth letter that Paul wrote instead of the fourth and the fifth letters squished together. So these are all things that doesn't make it any less God's word. It really doesn't because the way that we come to God's word, the way that we have the New Testament scriptures is through the early usage of the early church. The early church had largely established by the time that any councils were convened to kind of say, this is what we think is the Bible or not. All of those books were were more or less firmly established and everyone held them as scriptural, even if something like second Corinthians was squished together as two letters into one, they found these things, uh, the continuity and the usage of them, they found them, uh, useful and scriptural. And so these things were passed around and used and thought of as scripture from the earliest days of the church, regardless of, of how they kind of came to be as one book, whether it was one letter or whether it was two, the early church saw them as useful and as scriptural, and they have been considered canon from the earliest days of the church. So regardless of, of how you fall on this, any Bible-believing scholar is is going to hold that the entirety of the book of Second Corinthians is in fact biblical and inerrant in its original languages, and and that you know uh, that this is actually scripture useful for us regardless of the construction. So we're not talking about things that I've referenced in the past where we're talking about non-Christian scholars who don't believe this or are saying this. These are Christian scholars that that have come to these conclusions and debate on on how whether or not this is how these books are constructed. Okay. So all that said, that is kind of some of the background history of the formation of this book. Very briefly, I want to talk about Corinth. Um, I've never traveled to Corinth. I, uh, I imagine uh, with the number of people that like to travel to Greece, I bet there's a bunch of you that are watching this, listening to this. You've been to Greece. You've probably been to Corinth. Maybe you've been to the ancient ruined city of Corinth. And so you are going to know this. You can picture this in your mind. But uh, Corinth sat at the base of this relatively tall mountain for the area. And on top of that mountain was the uh, temple to Aphrodite. And this is in the ancient Greek times. And the temple to Aphrodite in the ancient Greek times was a place of massive debauchery. Uh, It's said that they think there might have been, ancient writers have said that there were uh, like a thousand uh, people employed by the temple of Aphrodite, essentially to service the sailors coming through this port area. Let the reader understand what those services were. And and so uh, this was a place of great debauchery. Now, when that was destroyed, that largely went away. And when the Roman city, the Roman colony was rebuilt, 
those temples were rebuilt, but, but Aphrodite didn't really hold, uh, from our understanding in the Greek ancient city, Aphrodite was the only temple on the Acre Corinth. In latter times, there was a, a whole host of deities and temples that were strewn across there, like Asclepius, uh, Diana, uh, Aphrodite was still there. Uh, I've read that Eros and other Roman, Greek and Roman gods had their temples. And so it was more of a, a cosmopolitan Roman city where there's lots of deities and different things that were worshiped in temples there, as opposed to the, the center of one uh, Greek God or Greek goddess in her temple. And so that's the ancient city of Corinth. And so when Paul's there, uh, I've seen some people conflate these things and there's debate between scholars about how this worked. But when Paul was there more, more than likely, almost certainly, the ancient city, the way that, that we knew of Corinth in ancient times, it wasn't that way anymore. It was a very Roman city. It was rebuilt as a Roman city, not as a Greek city. And so it was, uh, it included a much larger pantheon and uh, a more Roman tradition and was much more about business and trade probably than necessarily the, the way that ancient Corinth had been. And so with all of that, that is, is, a little bit of a background information into the city of Corinth. And uh, I think hopefully that will be helpful as we start to dig into the scripture. Now, the book of 2 Corinthians, it's not terribly long. And so I want to highly encourage you to read through this book once a week for 10 weeks. You really will be amazed at how much more you get out of it when you read it that way. All right, tomorrow we're going to jump into 2 Corinthians chapter 1. But for today, I'm Darren Hibbs, your host for the 10-Week Bible Study, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.